Hey everyone, my name is Michael Kaiser. And I'm John Wilson. And welcome to another episode of Make Ours Marvel. This is episode 73 of the show where we are finishing the comics that were published in October in the grand old year 1964. So only like 28 more episodes to go and we'll be done with 1964. <laughs> <laughs> we're getting real close. Yeah, yeah. It's it's not, I mean, it's 10. That's still like 10 episodes. It's still 10 episodes, right? This yeah. one and three. No, no, no. I'm sorry. I can math. Seven. Yes, seven. That's this right. This episode, three November, three December, and I guess three bonus for no reason yeah. whatsoever. Um, all right. And we're going to be starting off with The Avengers 11, which was published October 8th, 1964. And I have no idea who's supposed to cover this. Well, since Spider-Man's in it, of course you're supposed to cover it. Oh, is Wait, is that the rule? Is that how it's not works? the rule, but it seems to be working out lately. Okay, okay. Well, um, you say Spider-Man's in this. <laughs> <laughs> well, yes, I know. Right, so the cover is very, very excited for Spider-Man being in this book. Oh, yes. starring Spider-Man. Mm-hmm. But, um, spoilers, he's almost not at all in it. Um, the cover shows all the various Avengers caught in a spider's web and Spider-Man is like perched over them going, wahaha, I'm Spider-Man. And we open up and the splash page is like the same idea, but a completely different execution of it. The mighty Avengers meet Spider-Man and the only blurb we can write is, wow, we also reintroducing the mysterious Kang. Spectacular story by Stan Lee, incomparable illustrations by Don Heck, dazzling delineation by Schickstone, and lacrimose lettering by Sam Rosen. Do you know the mm. word lacrimose? I do not. I think in my adult life, I've run across the word lacrimose three times, and they have been the three times that I podcasted this comic book. <laughs> and what does it mean? <laughs> weepy and tired. Or weepy okay. and uh, sad. Well, that's what it sounds like. Yeah. Actually, you know what? I did see it um, in uh, the really weird Dial H series from the New 52 era. There was a um, there was a Captain Lacrimose, and he was very oh. sad. Um, wow. Anyways, so we open up with an Avengers meeting. Uh, Giant Man and the Wasp get called to the Avengers meeting, and they're talking about how Tony Stark has died. And they're like, it's kind of awkward because we're like in his house but he's dead. And now Iron Man's missing because he's caught up in a cliffhanger with the Mandarin and we don't know where he is. And they're like, okay, well, um, maybe we should just like not be Avengers because Tony's dead and we're in his house. Like, no, no, we should still be Avengers. We'll just, um, we'll just take 24 hours off and we'll give, uh, we'll give Iron Man a leave of absence. Sure. That seems normal. By the way, Shouldn't Rick Jones join the Avengers since he's been in this series like every issue? And Captain America's like, how dare you suggest such a thing? I am Captain America. And only I can decide if Rick Jones is an Avenger. And Rick is like, um, I'm right here, Cap. Can I talk? <laughs> <laughs> so they call the meeting to a, to a, to an end. And we then fast forward a thousand years into Kang's future in the year 3000. And he's like, you know what? I've waited a long time for my uh, revenge on the Avengers because, you know, I'm a time traveler. So I, I have to wait a while sometimes between fights. Um, 
And I think I'm going to send somebody after the adventure so they will trust. Let me look through all of my tapes of 1960s comics. Hey, look, it's Spider-Man. I'm going to make a robot of Spider-Man and send him back to the 20th century. And he will fight the Avengers for me. So he makes a robot of Spider-Man and it's completely under his control. And he programs with all of Spider-Man's abilities and knowledge, except of course, you know, the secret identity. Because in the future, they don't know that yet. And he sends it back. And Spider-Man, like, you know, stops some bad guys and catches some crooks. And Captain America's like, what's up, Spider-Man? And Spider-Man's like, what's up, Captain America? And um, he wants to kind of join the Avengers. And Cap's like, well, I can't decide that. I'm the new guy on the block. So come to our next meeting. So Spider-Man goes to the next Avengers meeting. And they're like, "Um, yeah, I don't know if we really want you to join the Avengers. Because Wasp really doesn't like spiders. And Spider-Man's like, okay, whatever. I was just going to tell you where Iron Man was. But since you don't need me around here, and Thor's like, how dare you be so flippant and say that you know where Iron Man is? So Spider-Man's like, okay, that's fine. He's in this temple in Mexico, and I will show you where he is. And so they all go to Mexico like they're different routes. Like like uh, Ant-Man and Wasp, they catch a plane and and um Captain America, like, I don't know, he bicycles. I don't know, we actually see how he gets there. Um, they get to this temple, this ziggurat-shaped temple in Mexico, and Spider-Man starts attacking them. When Giant Man and the Wasp show up in the temple, Spider-Man attacks them. When Thor shows up in the temple, Spider-Man attacks Thor and, like, separates him from his hammer and webs up, webs him up long enough that his, he, 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 he you know, he 60 seconds without his hammer. And then um, Captain America shows up, And Spider-Man attacks Captain America, and it's all crazy sauce. And Spider-Man has beaten the Avengers. Only guess what, kids? It's not really Spider-Man. It's a robot. And the real Spider-Man shows up. You see, his spider sense went off because some other fake Spider-Man was walking around New York City. And, you know, you can't just do that without my Peter tingle tingling my Peter. And so... um, he has, you know, somehow gotten down to Mexico. We'll talk more about that later on. So Spider-Man fights Spider-Man robot, and there's a lot of web constructs, and it's really over-the-top ridiculous. But Spider-Man eventually uh, beats the robot and swings away, and the Avengers all wake up, and they're like, huh, I guess the real Spider-Man was here and saved us from the evil Spider-Man duplicate. I wonder what's going on. It must be Kang, because only he can build a Spider-Man robot. In the future, Kang is like, curses, foiled again. The end. Did we cover this on our now defunct Captain America podcast? I think we may have done because we went all, didn't we go all the way up to his like solo series? And we got, I don't like, think we made it that far. Series. So I think but, we got this far. Well, I don't know if I liked it then, but I don't like it now. Maybe we didn't get quite this far. Yeah. This, this is a bad um, one. This is really disappointing. It's not a great Kang story. It's not no. a good Avenger story because they get beaten by. Um, the <laughs> it's not a good Spider Man story it's either. Good, it's not a good Spider Man story. <sighs> wow, and it's such a like the cover is just like Spider Man is in the Avengers for the first time, and then it's just so disappointing. It really, no. really is. Even like as much as I like Don Heck on this show, I feel like this is one of his worst efforts. Kind of. Uh huh. It uh-huh. looks bad. It doesn't look good. It's weird. The, um, the cover and the splash page are both really weird. The webbing on the cover is super bizarre. It's like really carefully measured geometry, but also it just feels like off in places. Mm-hmm. Especially um, as Iron- it goes out. Yeah. Iron Man's on the cover, but he's not in the issue. Oh, wow. I didn't even notice that. 
I did like that. I do like this little Iron Man continuity that they have Avengers and Iron Man and Iron Man not in Avengers. And there's this whole, you know, what happened to Tony Stark? Iron Man is a murderer thing going on. Kind of neat. This is the first time that I've actually read this issue, like cognizant of the plot lines in Iron Man at the same time. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm really enjoying this little method we're doing, you know, and everything, everything's syncing up because there have been several times where, like, I know I've read these bits of continuity separately before, but this is the first time I'm reading them together and they go together. Yeah, that's cool. Um, I don't love the chairman meeting either because one, Thor is leading it, and I don't really ever think that's a great idea. Like, why would Thor care about this stuff? I don't know. Right, right. It's just really weird. Let me care about these rules in this handbook. And then there's this weird dialogue where Giant Man's trying to explain to Thor that they have codes of honor and conduct. Thor. Thor doesn't understand anything about honor and conduct. Mm-hmm. Not Thor, right? So that was a weird conversation. And he just and let like, them do that. Their whole system of consequences whenever like if somebody misbehaves or something's out of the ordinary is really weird. Yes. And then Cap's like... I say we don't do any avenging for twenty four hour or for twenty four hours in honor of Tony's death or whatever, and then Giant Man's like, well, actually, we probably shouldn't let people die just because Tony's dead. And then Cap's like, I agree. I take back what I just said. And it's just like a really, <laughs> it's just a really weird scene. Like nobody looks good in it for some reason. And it's all Robert's rules of order. And this is the one where I mentioned this like several several episodes ago. Um, I was on the Spider Man Rewind podcast. And we talked about this one, and we talked about the next uh, one of the you know soon coming Spider Man issues, and this is just like the, the one of the guys in the show is just kind of like, and so we are we are the Avengers, and you know we have we have meetings sometimes, so let's let's have our meeting of the Avengers. It is just kind of making fun of the stuffed shirtness of this of this uh-huh. scene. Oh, it's yeah. pretty great. And what is up with Rick Jones? Well, I love that he tries to like cast a vote, and then captures like. You don't even work here. Yeah, yeah. That's pretty funny. I think I might have gotten confused on the exact details of that exchange. But yeah, it is um, it is so weird. It's all and weird. Kang is a time traveler. Mm-hmm. Kang does not have to wait for the next opportunity to fight the Avengers. That is something that they do in not just comics, but television and movies, where it's like, if something's happening in the past, it affects the future in real time. Or something, right. you know what I mean? Like it's they're like synced. the future is a place. Like it's synced in the same time travel, like that. Remember that movie? Did you ever see that movie Looper? I didn't, but I want to. Okay, well, there's a scene where like he affects the past, and then in the future, the guy—I won't spoil it too much—but something happens to his body, but it's happening to him literally, and he's like screaming about it. And really, if it happened in the past, then he should just have that body now and be used to it. You would think. Mm-hmm. So it's mm-hmm. just weird stuff like that where where things all transpire at the same time. Um, and also, why why make a spider, not to get too sticky with the plot, but why make a Spider-Man robot or just a Spider-Man robot? Or, you know, he's going through all these awesome villains. He could have made a Doctor Doom Spider-Man Magneto robot. I don't know. Like, why just Spider-Man? Evid- evidently, he hasn't seen nearly enough evil robot movies because he's going to make mm-hmm. this robot to do his bidding. Of course, the robot, you know, could easily disobey i don't know i don't know if you know this um but for the longest time there were only three rules in the wilson household mm-hmm. um rule number one don't talk during jeopardy okay rule number two was don't fart in bed uh-huh 
And rule number three was don't build evil robots. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah. This one doesn't turn on him. I actually kind of think it's cool that he has Spider-Man's personality and he even has thought bubbles. Like he has a brain, but Mm -hmm. it's all, it's all geared toward, he's basically is Spider-Man except for the part where he wants to make King happy. So that's the one difference, I guess. Um, but it's just weird. Like, why? Okay, even if you are going to make a Spider-Man clone, is this the best story we can come up with? Luring them to Mexico in a pyramid? Like, what does that have to do with Spider-Man? Nothing. Right. It's really how did, weird. How did, how did that even help him? Why couldn't he have done Spider-Man-y things to lure them into a trap in New York? I don't know. Is it one of those things where Kang just, like, went back in time and messed up that temple and, like, set up a bunch of booby traps in it and didn't really think about the geography of it all? It's like when somebody from England wants to come visit New York and Chicago and L.A. all on one trip. Because, I don't even think know. there's booby traps. I think it's just Spider-Man beating them up in a pyramid. Oh, you're and right. like, why did that have to happen? It's very bizarre. And then, like you said, it really makes the Avengers look bad because just being uh, the entire Avengers being beaten by Spider-Man is bad enough. But this isn't even Spider-Man. It's a clone. So even sadder. Um, but. The Wasp is once again on her kick about not trusting Spider-Man because everything about her makes his uh, everything about him makes her Wasp instinct tingle with hate and loathing. Does this ever go away, or is this just a thing forever? I don't know if it ever goes away. Um, I think it's still there in two years, whenever the Avengers and Spider-Man meet again. I you don't know, know about any future meeting though between them, so I don't know. You know, Wasp aside, people often do find spiders creepy, so. I wonder if people find Spider-Man creepy just because he's crawling on walls and has webs and stuff. But You know what? You know what? I love the idea, love and hate. I love and hate the idea that Jan just doesn't like spiders and she doesn't like the idea of this like weird guy she doesn't know walking around in a full body stocking. Uh-huh. But she also attributes that to some weird wasp instinct. Do you think she's just like, do you think she's just like fronting, like covering up the fact that she has a, a bit of timidity around spiders and about you know, people in full body costumes. And so she's like, like making up the whole wasp instinct thing. It kind of has to be because she's, she's not ever demonstrated any other wasp instinct thing. She's not crossbred with a wasp as far as I know. <laughs> so other not than that, 90s. Oh, that one time that uh, there was a wasp museum and she felt compelled to go to that for some reason. But oh, I yeah, don't think yeah, that's yeah. a wasp gene. I don't know. No. It is weird. Like basically this clone kills Captain America. He does. This robot. He would be dead if not for the most contrived plot point that we haven't brought up yet. Yeah, I think I skipped over my recap. He he threw Captain America off the ledge of the pyramid, right? To die. And then somebody yeah. caught him off camera. Somebody. Oh, not off camera. On Kang's TV. There's that web hammock and he gets caught. And now Spider-Man is in Mexico. So let's talk about that for a second. Yeah, that's the worst part. How did, okay, first of all, how did the robot get to Mexico? And then how did Spider-Man get to Mexico? Spider-Man got to Mexico quickly enough to even matter on this fight. He says he hitched a ride or, or, or he says he followed you. I followed you to Mexico. Mm-hmm. What is so? So that who did he follow? Because I guess I could see Kang transporting this guy to Mexico since he transported him to the past. But if Spider Man followed him, did he follow him in the transporter, or I don't they know. just take a plane? 
Well, is, is Spider-Man that invested? Like, I sense something that's like me. Oh, it's going to Mexico. I better go too and just leave my whole life. The Pims just took a plane. So uh-huh. the robot could have just taken a plane and Spider-Man could have like hitched a ride on the plane. He's done that before. Just like it's weird. held onto the wing for dear life. They don't have the whole Quinjet copter thing anymore, I guess. They all have to take separate travel arrangements. Yeah, ever since they wrecked the helicopter, we have not seen them with their own mode of transportation. It seems like a thing that they could have figured out by now, but okay, we'll get there again, I guess. Yeah. Because yeah. the X-Men don't have a thing yet either, but they um, haven't gone anywhere. Let's see. Say that again? I said the X-Men don't have their plane yet either, but they haven't gone anywhere. No, no, they haven't. And when they do go somewhere, it's it's like by subway. <laughs> yeah. And then also just I, a really nitpick. He also created web wings and flew around, which, you know, doesn't make me happy. Oh, my God. That is the most ridiculous <laughs> sequence ever. And when he makes like the 20 foot wingspan, this is goo. This is stretchy goo. And he's turning it into hard wings. Do you know how stiff wings have to be to like actually propel the air? Yeah. Ugh. Yeah. I don't like any of those shape web things. Um, no. And I then, like- yeah, he's just off camera. Like he doesn't even meet the Avengers and say, hey, I saved your butt. He just walks away and then like Cap's going, I think that's Spidey over there. Yeah. The in fact, they've Just in the last handful of years, they retconned, uh, a, not a retcon, but a flashback story where Spider-Man and Captain America have their first meeting a few days after this. Oh, really? Wow. Yeah. So they haven't met and they they do meet shortly, but it's, yeah. Yeah. Disappointing. Um, disappointing. Do you feel like Thor turning into Don Blake during the big group fight has been kind of a thing? It seems to be because they did that with Wonder Man. Uh, has he done it other times? I don't know. Yeah. It's like, let's get rid of the powerhouse guy for a little while. They did, they did it with Kang the, like the last time he fought. Him, <gasps> You're right. They did because he got trapped in the prison or whatever one thing about kang is uh his bubble head his deep sea diver helmet has shrunken down a little bit it's more normal size now Mm -hmm. um okay so yeah the whole team loses and i feel like their ending is like super rushed like that last page has so much going on yeah spider-man wins cap sees that it's a real spider-man realizes it's a robot donald blake somehow stretches through the webbing that's pinning him to get the hammer and become Thor again then they all group and decide that it must be Kang and then Kang says curses and that's all on one page all on one page yeah so yeah not a great issue all right so let's think about this is there anybody else that we know of as of 1964 in October that could build an advanced life model decoy of Spider-Man maybe Kang's freaking ancestor Dr. Doom (laughs) yeah there you go Dr. Doom easy so they're wrong. Yeah. They do that a lot in these early issues. All these comics do, like, even in the Golden Ages, like, there can only be my, my nemesis, Dr. Death, who could come up with bombs like that, you know? Right. It could only like, be this one person. Yeah, but you can't say that after a while. So I was just wondering if there's anybody else besides Kang that could build robots. How about the leader? They don't know about the leader, but... They don't know about the leader yet. Yeah. Why is Dr. it just make it to a better comic? Because you know what this month? Strange Tales is better than the Avengers. Yikes. But true. Okay. (laughs) Strange Tales 128. And there's a lot of verbiage on here, but it's basically Quicksilver and Scarlet Witch versus Thing and the Human Torch. And also a backup story of Doctor Strange versus uh, the Demon's Disciple. I thought he was just called the Demon, but I guess he's called the Demon's Disciple. Okay. 
It's monumental story by Stan Lee, magnificent penciling by Dick Ayers, masterful inking by Frank Ray. Is that a new name for us? Um, Melancholy lettering by Artie Simek. And we start with Quicksilver packing his bags and telling Wanda, let's go. Magneto is weird. Every time we have an adventure with him, we hate him and his mission and his morals. And Scarlet Witch does a hex and makes him trip and says, no. Because he saved my life in that one place that one time. And so I have to do whatever he says for the rest of my life. I swore my allegiance. And he's like, but sister, he's horrible. And we don't agree with anything he says. Maybe we should ask one of these other superheroes. Because if anybody has powers, they're obviously wise. So let's go ask them. And so they decide to go. They don't know where the Avengers are, I guess, or something. So they decide to go check out the Fantastic Four because their base is you know known and everybody knows where to go so we cut to that and it's just the human torch and the thing at home because this is not the fantastic four issue um the thing is tearing up furniture because the ancy street gang sent him a um i don't know a letter or something and they see on the tv you know this just in look out for these evil mutants uh magneto and mastermind mastermind and toad oh and also quicksilver and scarlet witch they're to be stopped too and then johnny and the thing reminisce about mutants and what they think of them and johnny thinks about the time that the fantastic four fought the x-men and the time he teamed up with Iceman. and of course the things like if i encounter any of those yahoos i'll I'll beat him up, no problem. So, of course, ironically or, you know, coincidentally, there's Quicksilver and Scarlet Witch in civvies in the, uh, on the first floor trying to get in to see them. And they try and get – and they get stopped by security because not anybody can just go up there. But, of course, Wanda wraps the security up with her magic awesomeness. Um, and then they invade, basically. So they have to get past security. So that makes them kind of look bad. And they invade and they come in. And, of course, Human Torch and – and thing have just seen on the TV that they're wanted criminals. So what do they do? They attack them. And Quicksilver's like, no, wait, I'm not here to fight you. And he's like, yeah, right. You're a bad guy. And they start fighting. Um, Scarlet Witch catches up because her brother is much faster and she's behind the thing and he doesn't see her. And he tries to punch Quicksilver instead misses because Quicksilver's fast. And he hits this big Reed Richards machine and that Reed Richards machine hits Scarlet Witch and knocks her out. So guess what? Now Quicksilver is no longer interested in trying to calm them down and communicate. He wants to fight. So fighting he does. He spins them around. He dodges all the flame. He tries to put it out with, you know, an oxygen tornado and stuff. At some point, Johnny captures him in a flame net. And I guess it's so hot that the thing can't just walk through and fight Quicksilver now that he's stuck in this net so he has to put on this like barbecue asbestos suit thing Um, and he gets in there and he manages to get one punch in but it's not hard enough to knock um, Quicksilver out at which point Scarlet Witch finally wakes up and she creates this amazing awesome thunderstorm that kind of knocks the entire place on its butt um, Quicksilver's happy she's awake. He stops fighting. Human Torture thing are like, okay, well, if they're not going to fight, we're not going to fight either. And he let they let them go. The, the siblings decide, you know, maybe Magneto's not so wrong after all because these homo sapiens be crazy. They just attack us all the time. And, and then, um, um, yeah, they leave and, and the Human Torture thing are none, are none more intelligent, I guess. Right. So that's how that ended. 
So this is the seventh from the end Strange Tales issue. <laughs> um, but this I was really, more fun, though. Yeah. I really dug this. Um, uh-huh. I was not prepared for this chapter in uh, Scarlet Witches and Quicksilver's early journey. The idea uh-huh. that they reached out to other heroes before joining the Avengers is really cool to me. Yes. Um, I, yeah. just, I think that's a really neat move. It's too bad it happened in Strange Tales in a way because I like I like the Quicksilver Scarlet Witch stuff. I think the Johnny Storm and Thing stuff was pretty, you know, standard fare that we get in this. Mm-hmm. So that part was a little ho hum. It almost would have been cooler if they reached out to the Fantastic Four in a full issue, but that's okay. It's still fun. Do you remember um, Michael Bailey's Tales from the JSA trailer from um, several years ago? I remember the podcast, not the trailer per se. So the trailer has like the awesomeness and the awe-inspiring description of the Justice Society of America and how there's going to be a podcast chronicling their modern adventures. And then the the trailer says, unfortunately, it's hosted by these two guys. (laughs) Right. That is exactly this issue. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. It's like, you're going to reach out to the superhero community. Great. Unfortunately, you've got Johnny and Ben because they are like the yuck yucks of the entire Marvel Universe right now. Yes. And they are – I mean, not that pretty much every Marvel hero jumps to conclusions and starts fights, but they will definitely do that. Right. And like it's not exactly like Wanda and Pietro are on their best behavior here. They have definitely picked up some antisocial tendencies – from a running for their lives and b living with Magneto in the in the Evil Mutants for the last however long, mm-hmm. um, they're not not nice people in this. Yeah, I was gonna think like maybe a better way to approach this would be like tell the security guard we need to see the Fantastic Four. We also have superpowers, and then let them demonstrate that or something, and see if he would call them to come down or let them up. Right. Instead of just, just like let yeah. us up, and then they're like wrapping attacking the guys and running past them. So. You know, um, anyway. I did kind of dig seeing uh, Johnny and Ben just hanging out being people at the beginning. Uh-huh. Well, what do you think? And, I mean, um, I, mean Wanda- I thought it was weird. Go ahead. Go ahead. I was going to say, <laughs> Wanda's your girl, and this is the beginning. And she's, yeah. once, she's once again in allegiance to Magneto for the only reason is he saved her life. But um, are, are, are you tired of that yet from her, or should we? should she have moved on by now? I feel like we are moving on. I feel like they 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 have reasons for distrusting Magneto. Um, she does talk a little bit in this issue about why she is saying so, so staying so steadfast, and that has to do with the whole like you know honor has meant everything to our family. Uh, we have given our word to serve Magneto. Now I don't know if honor and their family is just the two of them, and that's like. You know, the reason she was thrown out of her village is because A, sexual, and B, witchcraft accusations. She was accused of being a scarlet woman and accused of being a witch. Mm-hmm. So maintaining a good reputation amongst the people they go and and live with seems to be like, you know, a, a really important move. Mm-hmm. Um, and She's just, I think, still young and naive with the whole, like, well, that means we have to keep our word to Magneto. You and I have talked on the show before about, you know, does keeping your word really mean all that in a bag of chips like so many people seem to think it does? Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, I knowing also that we're nearing the end of that, like that, mm-hmm. this is almost run its course. I think yeah. they have one more appearance with the Brotherhood and then it's Avengers time. Because is it honorable to keep your word honorably and then – 
do horribly not honorable things all the time because you're keeping your honorable word. Right, which is what Pietro says. Our honor gets more tarnished every time we obey his evil commands. Right. Yeah, and so, I do. I do think it's funny. Like Scarlet Witch seems to be in a standstill on this, but I feel like it's Quicksilver that's been moving along because at first he was just like, "I don't care if we're here as long as I'm with my sister," you know. Right. And now it's kind of moved to him going, "No, we need to go. This is wrong for us." So I like I um, like his character arc in a way more because he's actually trying to get out. Right, they're they're in a legitimate moral quandary, mm-hmm. and um, she's the one who suggests that they go see the Fantastic Four. Mm-hmm. He's the one who suggests that maybe they can lean on somebody else who has power. So they work together to come to this idea. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, I like that. I think it's kind of weird, or maybe not weird, just interesting that like the evil mutants they haven't ever been seen on photography or a broadcast or anything before this. This is the first time the public has seen who these people are. Magneto and the Toad. And Well, his first appearance, he attacked an army base. I'm surprised there's no footage of that, but otherwise, yeah, it's mostly them attacking the X-Men, I think. Right. And maybe Magneto has been seen more than the others. I don't know. Hmm. But were we asking the other day, or the other day, like a different episode, whether the X-Men are known mutants or are they superheroes? Because it seems like they're known mutants in this story. Are they known mutants in this? Well, they're talking about these evil mutants, and then the first thing Johnny and Thing talk about is the X Men. But maybe that's because they're the well, ones the who defeat have fought, them. Have fought the evil, yeah. Um, well, we just started to make that connection in, in the public's <sighs> eye on our last issue of X Men. Okay, um, that was the first time the public has seen the X Men as mutants in a in a negative way, at least. They, he doesn't um, call them mutants, though. He does. He just says the X Men and Iceman. He doesn't say they were mutants. So maybe, right? I don't know. Whenever they're assaulting the building and the the cops get connected, um, there's this. Yeah, it wrapped itself around us like it was hexed. Say only one female has a hex power. <laughs> and yeah, it's just like, but it happened at C C for Catwoman. <laughs> Only one bad guy can create a Spider-Man clone. Yeah. We're still what there. What a disgusting riddle. <gasps> she has got some uh, all-over-the-place powers, doesn't she? But she always has, I guess. Yeah, they're really undefined. And they seem to be very subconsciously influenced. Like, when she casts her hex, they describe it as just, like, something random happens. But I really feel more as we go through that, like, whatever she's thinking at the time is going to have a strong impact. Mm-hmm. She's guiding that hex somehow. She has, she definitely has some control over what's going to happen. She makes a storm happen to set out to, to put out his fire. She throws the hex at the hose and the hose stops the police. So she's, it's not random. She's controlling stuff. Yeah. I used to think it was like, she creates bad luck for things, but you know, the hose thing flying out like a snake and wrapping around somebody, that's not even an unlucky thing that could happen. That's just, magic or something mm-hmm. or mutant, mutant power. I love the way they described her in uh, uh, Avengers 2, but of course now I can't remember. So why did I even bring it up? But he's fast and she's freaky or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Yeah. Um, Sadly, at one point during the fight, Wanda basically gets tossed out of the story. It becomes a boy free for all for a couple of pages. Yeah, but that was the inspiration for the, for Quicksilver deciding not to be diplomatic anymore so that at least mm-hmm. it, at least it made for a more aggressive fight and she did stop it so that showed off her powers in the end yeah she does come back for the last last strike i hate this whole like 
thing can't handle fire has to put on a suit thing. Like, is that a thing that always goes on? Because I feel like modern thing would just walk through that fire. No problem. But I don't know. Um, it's kind of weird. Also, does he have time to go and get a whole suit? Yeah. And like he, put it on? he puts on a suit, takes him a half hour. Then he gets into the cage. He hits him once and misses and he blames it on the suit. So then Johnny turns the temp down so he could take the suit off. And it's like, dude, enough with the suit. This whole three pages on a freaking suit. And, yeah. then they, and then he gets knocked out anyway. So it didn't even matter. He has talked about fire like burning his hands before. So I think – Unless he's just like, you know, being a whiny baby in those other parts. I think he is vulnerable to fire. Mm-hmm. But I've never seen him put on this suit to like go through flames before. It's weird to team up with somebody whose power can kill you. <laughs> right. But it's cool. it's cool to squabble with someone whose powers can kill you, I guess. Um, I guess. And then once again, like, and this is sad, but probably accurate. Like, well, I mean, not really. Are we calling... Are we calling the thing in Human Torch races here or just stupid because they picked a fight? But they're walking – their takeaway is that you can't trust homo sapiens, which, which seems to happen a lot when anytime some misunderstanding happens. Yeah, it's unfortunate because all of this happens and they're back to Magneto was right. Right. Which is Which not is great. weird. No, there's no middle ground. It's like either you have to believe in an extremist weirdo who wants to kill everybody, including his own people, uh-huh. or – or, you know, I don't know. Yeah. At the same time, that's been the propaganda they've been fed like uh-huh. for the last several months is that, like, we are mutants. We are born to rule this planet. Humans will hate us and fear us and mistrust us. And we have to defeat them. And like, okay, well, let's trust some humans. And the humans are like, beat you up. And they're like, oh, well, so much for that. Um, so. It's very interesting that these two, because they're all in the. This is the first time they've really been outside the X-Men book. They're always in the X-Men books. It would seem like a no-brainer to have them realize that Professor X is the way to go, that the X-Men are the way to go. But they're going to end up in the Avengers, which is just really cool, but also kind of bonkers if you think about it. Yeah, I think, you know, if, if, if we're to try to read this as, you know, as, as actual people, I feel like maybe they just – Everything about the X-Men is like, you can't trust the X-Men. You fought the X-Men. They're, they're, and, and the X-Men have been their enemies. The X-Men have fought them numerous times. Mm-hmm. Um, so finding out, finding somebody else, another hero community besides the X-Men, I think that's a natural choice. Um, putting them on the Avengers was really bizarre, though. And it's, it's where they're going to be associated. The Scarlet Witch is never associated with any X-Team until super modern comics. And Quicksilver is like, the the tangential X teams, but never the X Men. Yeah, but they're like I do like it though because the Avengers have very few like mutant representations, but they're definitely two of them. Mm-hmm. Basically, those two and the Beast are the ones that come to mind to me. But right, um, yeah. Well, when we get to that, but that's also a very iconic team too. That whole four the Kooky Quartet four person team, and there are two of them. So yep. it should be fun when we eventually get there in twenty years. Um, it's getting closer. We just did 11. That's true. It is getting closer. 16 is in 15 more episodes. That'll be cool. Yep, 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 yep. So then we have um, the next story. So then we have an awesome pinup by Dick or uh, uh, Steve Ditko of Doctor Strange. Very cool, actually. And then, yes, we have the dilemma of it the demon. Great. The Demon's Disciple, written by Stan Lee, unchallenged master of the dramatic word, drawn by Steve Ditko, unquestioned innovator of the occult illustration, lettered by Art Simek, unabashed purveyor of the captivating caption. Um, 
And it starts with our hero, Doctor Strange, studying. He now has, as of last story, his iconic red cape and mm-hmm. his his eye of Agamemnon or whatever it's called sure. as an amulet. Um, someone knocks on his door. And it's like this frail human guy. And he's like, please, you need to help me. I'm a disciple of a guy called the demon. Unless you're reading the cover. Then it's the demon's disciple. And I thought it'd just be fun and games. But he actually uses dark magic. And he's scary. And he hurts me. And you need to help him. Because you're the only one who can stop him. Um, Just then, the demon is actually watching this through his magic TV. And says, oh, that guy betrayed me. And he teleports him back. Um, the clothes get stuck, stay behind, but the but the apprentice gets pulled back, and then the demon kicks him down into a trap door to live there and starve to death for the rest of his life, and talks about how awesome he is. Well, of course, Doctor Strange doesn't like that, that someone just got snatched out of his home that was asking for his help, so he animates with his new eye, he animates the guy's clothes and has the guy's clothes like lead him to where the demon's house is. And upon entering, the demon, first thing he does is trap him. Traps him in this, like, amethyst crystal-y thing and shrinks him down. Thinks he has him, but really he doesn't because uh, the uh, Doctor Strange uses his, you know, protoplasm form or astral form to sneak out the back door, kind of. And he goes into the guy's library and he reads all the spells that the guy's apparently been studying and knows. And then he comes back and basically just kicks his butt. Because now he knows all the spells the guy knows how to do, so he can counter them. Um, And he does that. They get into this back-and-forth fight. At some point, the demon starts really panicking that he's going to lose. So he decides to hurl all of his power at at Doctor Strange in one swoop. He uh, shoots a big ton of Steve Ditko-y green energy stuff. But uh, Doctor Strange has a new amulet, and that amulet can grow in size and it acted like a shield and basically just opened up and sucked all the guy's magic into it. And the, and the guy's like, uh, exit stage left. So he starts to run away. Doctor Strange runs after him. He still has his trap door, so he uses that on Doctor Strange. But we also find out that the cloak can levitate him. So he doesn't actually fall. And handily enough, he finds that the... The henchman that was asking him for his help in the first place is also in that trapdoor, so he raises him out of there. Um, he then captures the demon and basically erases his memory, but leaves behind like a memory that he got soundly beaten, so that he'll never try to learn the mystic arts again because he'll be too scared. And then Doctor Strange flies away into the night as the apprentice waves goodbye. The end. They can uh, refer to this as a cloak of levitation, right? which uh, we see in the very first story that he has it, which is pretty great. Mm -hmm. Um, He, of course, being Doctor Strange, who uh, in the Marvel Cinematic Universe is always portrayed by Butternut Crinkle Fries. um, (laughs) We're getting a little off there. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know what you're talking about. That is the man's name. Um, (laughs) So... Doctor Strange finally has his classic look after yeah. uh, multiple changes of clothing and ethnicity. Yeah, you were going to say a number, but we don't know the number because 128 means nothing, kind of. What issue did he start in? He was in 110 and 111, then he took off 12 and 13, then he was in 14. Okay. So, what is 28 minus 11? Um, 20, uh, 17? 17 issues to get to his classic look, I guess. Yes. 
It was a cool, cool story. Um, I don't know what I have to say about it other than it, it was no Dormammu two-parter, but at, no. least, at least it wasn't Mordo. <laughs> Again. Yeah. <laughs> Although, honestly, I almost feel like this whole demon guy could have been Mordo. He could have been, yeah. Um, the the demon appears to be a fan of kink parties. Uh-huh. He, uh, he pulls the guy into his house without his clothes on. It's just like, uh-huh. you know, going to keep you in my dungeon now, boy. Yeah. That was Not my favorite judging. part. I like the part where uh, he animates the clothes to, like, find the guy. That was kind of clever. Oh, that was fun. That was yeah. actually really fun. I would like to see that happen at a show. Uh-huh. But otherwise, it didn't feel like much of a threat for Doctor Strange. Like, at no point was he sweating, really. This guy, yeah. was, this guy was nothing to him. And the shrinking bands of Satoric, I would have expected to, like, squeeze him, not just shrink him down. Uh-huh. I would have said, like, like, they enclose around him and they start shrinking. They would have, like, contracted him and compressed him and, you know, like, crushed him to death, not just shrunk him down into the guy's hand. Mm-hmm. I did think that to stop a rival sorcerer, Doctor Strange went and read all of his books. Mm-hmm. That was a little bit weird of a, of a way out. Like, Well, yeah. I mean, did he actually just read every page or did he go, oh, yeah, I know this one and I know this one. So this is the three things this guy knows how to do. Maybe. Like he browsed the table of the contest like, oh, this guy is fighting for the uh, Vashanti spells. Uh-huh. So, okay. That's so third year magic. Okay, fine. I can beat him. Right. And did you notice Stanley's little um, little exit line? No. In the caption, he says, "In the name of the all-seeing Agamotto, by the seven rings of Ragador, we urge you to be with us again." Tamam should. Uh huh. And that's actually a Persian phrase, which basically means it has ended. So it's a, the end in Persian. Oh, all right. That's cool. I guess so, is Doctor Strange yeah. Persian. I think it's just trying to go for something uh, Asian or Eastern world <laughs> yeah, or something. Eastern, Eastern, mysterious or something sounding. Yeah. But yeah, not a, not a bad story. And you're right. It's not a Dormammu story, but it's also not a Baron Mordo story. So yeah, I'm curious. Like, so does Doctor Strange disappear when this book disappear or changes or? No, no. Doctor Strange is going to be around until after Strange Tales goes away. Okay, so I'm just wondering, because I wonder, like, how many more of of this kind of stuff can he keep doing without creating any sort of backstory or anything? You know, it's just another villain of the week kind of thing. Like, the, the, the complete lack of any feeling of continuity in the stories? Well, that, or we, like, Doctor Strange has nothing else to do but battle these guys. Like, does he ever, right. get, does he ever get trapped in his armor for a couple issues, or, you know, nothing? Yeah, you're right. I don't really feel like we have, I mean... Everyone has a personal life by this point. Mm-hmm. Every single book has a personal life by now, except Doctor Strange. Yeah, and you would think that would just give him something to write, but instead it's like, let's just invent another magic guy this week. So, right. you know, at what point does that get old and they start giving him a girlfriend or something? They kind of did with What's-Her-Face, but she didn't come home with him. So No, oh well. she did not. She was a mysterious girl from the Dark Realm. Yeah. Too bad. Okay. Well, speaking of mysterious people... Mm-hmm. What about Gideon and what Gideon. makes him the most powerful foe of all? I know, I know. He's Lex Luthor, right? <laughs> yeah. So, this is me now, right? Mm-hmm. The Fantastic Four 34, wrapping up October 1964. It's friend against friend, brother against sister. If you always thought it could never happen, even though it's happened like seven times before in the series, you can't afford to miss a house divided. 
So this is the introduction of the uh, villain known as Gideon, or Mr. Gideon. It is rapturously written by Stan Lee, deliciously drawn by Jack Kirby, impeccably inked by Schick Stone, and lavishly lettered by Artie Simic. Have the fabulous FF finally met their first defeat? It's like they've forgotten the entire series up to this point. <laughs> yeah, I think they they've have, been defeated already. They've been defeated. They've been broken up. They've 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 had their issues. Mm-hmm. Thirty of them. Mm-hmm. Okay. So as our strange saga begins, a mysterious package is delivered to FF headquarters, addressed to the ever loving thing. It is, of course, from the Yancey Street Gang. And, um, it's a beetle wig. And he's like, oh my gosh, how could they ever possibly do that? And, uh, I'm going to go kill those Yancey Streeters, blah, 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 fine, blah, blah. And they calm him down. And Alicia's there. She's like, I'll, um, I'll throw your beetle wig away. He's like, no, I love his look on me. So, you know, whatever. (laughs) Um, we change scenes to Mr. Gideon. Mr. Gideon's power is virtually unlimited wealth. He is like the 60s version of an 80s tycoon. He's what the George Jetson era thought that, like, Rockefellers and Trumps and everything were. Obviously, Rockefeller is earlier in, fa- in the timeline and Trump is later in the timeline. I don't even know why I mentioned Trump. It's just he's the name I associate with 80s tycoons. Because Sting was um, wearing a wig on the last page, so it's in your head now. It's in my head now. Um, okay, so his thing is that he, like, is always amassing more financial power. He can control other business runners. They, like, you know, he's like, I can buy and sell you a thousand times over. Uh, his, um, he decides to go, uh, they, they challenge him. There's, like, some sort of business deal. And he's like, they're like, you know, we challenge you. If you can use your money to be the Fantastic Four, you can have our money, and if not, then we're going to take your money, or something like that. He's like, fine, I can be the Fantastic Four, because that totally makes sense for me to do. And he, like, starts buying the the Baxter building, basically. And he now owns all of their property there. So, people come and start, you know, confiscating it. And, um, there's fighting, and there's shenanigans, and there's stuff that happens that's kind of bizarre that starts, like, tricking each other into thinking stuff. Like, Susan comes home to their, oh my gosh, Glenville shows up in the Fantastic Four comic. Sue goes home to her Glenville home and Johnny's not there, but the place is wrecked and there are burn marks everywhere. And there's um, writing on the wall. I'm fighting Dr. Doom. I can't hold out any longer. Beware, sis, of Doom's robot. And so when Johnny shows up all hail and hearty, she's like, oh my gosh, it's Doom's robot. And they start fighting and there's other stuff going on. Um, Gideon is back in his office and his wife comes in with his son and Gideon's like, I have no time for you woman. Oh son, I love you, but I must go do business. What's this you have? It's a fantastic four comic daddy. I love them so much. He's like, Oh, well that's, that's awkward. Um, we're just going to keep on going then. So Ben and Reed are fighting for some reason. Johnny goes back to the Baxter building. I'm sorry. Susan goes back to the Baxter building. Um, they all start fighting each other because Gideon has made them think wrong things. Back at Gideon's office, his son overhears him talking about how he's going to tear down the Fantastic Four. And I was like, oh, no, I love the Fantastic Four. You can't destroy them, Dad. And he runs out. Um, Shenanigans. There's fighting. Eventually, they go. I don't exactly remember how they begin to associate the whole thing with Gideon. 
if if Gideon lures them to his building. Oh no, I think I think the boy actually goes and finds the Fantastic Four mm-hmm. and says it's my dad that's doing all of this. And so they go to Gideon and basically Oh, I'm sorry. Help me out. How does it how does this wrap up? Well, I don't remember either why they go to this Oh, the trap is they have a time machine. And so for some reason, somehow they lure these guys into this building, the Baxter building. Um, oh, that's right. And the, the time but, machine was set to eliminate the Fantastic Four. But it was the boy instead, yeah. The boy and the thing land up on the platform for the time machine. Mm-hmm. And Gideon's like, oh my gosh, my boy could have died just then. I really am a bad person, aren't I? Mm-hmm. And um, he's like, fine, I'll stop trying to buy the Fantastic Four in fact, um, I'm going to start doing all of my money for charity. It's going to be great. I'm going to take my family on vacation. I'm going to stop being a total ass to my wife. And we're going to have a great time. And the boy and the wife are like, yay, daddy's really back. And they walk out. Yeah, because Reed Richards just hit the reverse button and took them back. Oh, yeah, because he brought he, – yeah, he reversed the time machine. So Tom, the boy, and Ben Graham did not actually spend very much time in the weird past place. Mm-hmm. Um. Ho-hum. I don't like Gideon. Ho-hum. Oh, you mean like as a person or as a plot? As a plot. I mean, he's not a great person, obviously, but as a plot idea. So, you know how like sometimes monsters will attack the city and depending on what book you're in, that's the superhero who's going to stop them. And you kind of have to suspend your disbelief that, you know, this is a shared universe and maybe Spider-Man should have noticed a big giant demon in New York City. How come Spider-Man yes. wasn't there? How come Fantastic Four weren't there? Where'd the X-Men go? But in this case, I did kind of wonder, like, how do you have a billionaire who's so powerful, like, nothing can stop him, but, like, Tony Stark's just, like, not around? Or, you know, no other rich people? I don't know. doesn't even get mentioned. It doesn't even get – like, you would think a guy like this would be known by Stark Industries or any other rich people we know. We don't know any other rich people, just Stark, I guess, huh? At this point. Fantastic Four are kind of rich, but they they do seem to have whatever financial resources they need, except for those, that one issue where they didn't. Except for the one issue where he wrecked the stocks or something, yeah, right, um, yeah. So that kind of bugged me a little. Like, there's this guy who's so powerful and rich, but and so influential that we've never heard of before or ever hear again. I imagine he actually does manage to come back. Not a whole lot, but there is more Gideon way down the road. I don't think we'll ever get to it though. Like he's, 100 issues from now. He's still rich. It's not like they took his money. Right. So even if he's a good guy, he's still the most powerful, richest person in the Marvel Universe, apparently. But yeah, we never hear from him again. Kingpin doesn't care. Whatever. Yeah, Kingpin doesn't care. And like, like this does feel like the 60s version of the vibe that 80s Luthor is going for. Uh-huh. Oh, yeah, like, for sure. But it's a cartoon. Like, this is not really how businesses run. This is not really how corporate tycoons live their lives. This is a cartoon version of that. And, yeah, um, the whole I'm just bored, so I'm going to I'm gonna destroy the Fantastic Four is kind of a, a cliche blog mm-hmm. plot, sort of. Like, it doesn't – there's no investment there for him. Like, he has no motive to kill them other than someone asked him to and he wants to prove that he can do it. So that's kind of boring. Um, and this all feels kind of old hat, like the whole, like all the, the best part is when thing puts on the wig really. And I also really loved page 10 because it's so awkward and horrible, but otherwise it just seemed kind of like ho-hum, like they're fighting again and they're losing again. And 
whatever. The, the, the Beatles wig and his like, oh, I actually really like it was a humorous turnabout. Mm-hmm. I was kind of amused by the sign that was left, you know, not by Johnny and Sue's house. First of all, someone came in and wrecked their house and wrote a sign on the wall. But like, imagine if it actually happened. I'm imagining Johnny just laying there dying and slowly <laughs> scorching the wall. Uh-huh. While Doctor Doom stands impatiently beside him, or something. Yeah, why wouldn't he just write help? I don't know. Right. Um, you know what? I, was, I didn't write out the castle of. Uh, you know what I was thinking when you said Glenville? Because uh-huh. it didn't occur to me that it is in this book, and it is. But you know why there's a Glenville and why they live there? Why? Because it's inappropriate for an unmarried Sue Storm to live with an unmarried Reed Richards. Oh my gosh, you're right. That's it. That's the only reason they live here. It's the only reason. This is this is the 1950s Superman Kellogg's commercials. I was exactly thinking of that. Jimmy Olsen and Clark Kent at breakfast eating cereal because right. Lois can't be there. Right. And somehow that's less awkward. <laughs> Harry White and Jimmy. We got a three-generation menage a something going on. But no Lois Lane. Oh no. She wouldn't be there for breakfast. That's immodest. Anyway, mm-hmm. that is why Glenville exists. It's got to be. They just don't want them living together. And Johnny spends a long time thinking that Reed is a scroll in this. Like, oh, even if he realizes yeah. that somebody else is behind it, he still thinks that Reed is a scroll. Yeah, this is like this is like the week. This episode is just the Marvel universe being stupid, kind of, isn't it? Like, like, but Strange Tales is a standout issue. Strange Tales is a standout issue, but even then, they attack Quicksilver and Scarlet Witch without cause, sort of. Yeah, yeah. They're be- well, yeah, both sides were dope snap. It's like, that was the most enjoyable story in an episode with the Avengers and the Fantastic Four. <laughs> oh, my God. We we enjoyed the Torch and Ben theme- team up. We did. We did. Because I did not enjoy Fantastic Four or Avengers at all, really. No. Um, but this page 10, I don't know why it amused me, but like he is just – this is just the most – it's only four panels of him being the most foul person in the world. Haven't I told you to never interrupt me because you're just a woman? And then the dad, the kid comes in and says, hey, dad, you're my world. And he's like hugging him. What's this? Fantastic Four. I'd be lost without them. And there's a thought bubble. Not for long, son. Not for long. So like even <laughs> then, even then he's evil. Like he's just evil through and through. That kind of amused me. I don't know why. Right, right. It's but, pretty uh, great. He is he does not have a single nice word to say to his wife in the entire issue. Whenever they reconcile, he doesn't really say much to her that's actually that nice. They just go off together. She's just kind of got this, um, well, I'm his wife and I know he's a bad person, but I'm his wife, so I'm gonna keep being a dutiful wife. Bye. That's kind of her vibe. Yeah, I'm I'm reading it. I had my son, my wife, the only two things that really matter, but my vanity, my stupid greed made me want more and more until now I've lost everything. That is the only, the only nice thing he says about his wife in this issue. My husband, it's almost like uh, Sue is, Sue is, Sue is like yelling at him. You have a wife, a wonderful wife, Mr. Gideon. You should be tremendously proud. She's like, my husband has done wrong and must be punished, but I'm still his wife. Whatever happens, I shall not desert him. I shall always be Mrs. Gregory H. Gideon. And then Sue's like, you poor dear. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. This- <laughs> that cracked me up, too. That was a good line. Yeah, that's pretty great. Uh, yeah. It was okay. I mean, I don't know. I feel, It kind of felt repetitive, and I just didn't like the villain that much. Nope. I wonder how he would look in the Beatles wig. Yeah. 
not great because no one looks good in a Beatles wig. So October ends with a whimper, I guess, is the takeaway here? A bit of a whimper, yep. But we have to decide now if any of these are the worst ones or if there's other worst ones. Okay. Or best ones. Favorites and non-favorites, tops and bottoms. That is the game that we play Mm -hmm. here at Make Ours Marvel. And I need to open up my spreadsheet. So I got to go find it. Mom Likes is the name of my file, which is (laughs) humorous to me every time for some reason. (laughs) Mommy Likes. Uh, yeah. All right, I could do a f- alphabet alphabetical rundown of the uh, yeah, of the events. So, Amazing Spider-Man number twenty, the first appearance of Scorpion, Avengers number eleven, which we covered tonight, where Spider-Man did not really guest appear. Daredevil number five versus his most hated enemy, the Matador. Fantastic Four thirty four, which we just finished. Journey into Mystery number one eleven, which was the second part, the conclusion of his fight with with Thor's fight with uh, Mister Hyde and Cobra with Jane's fate on the line kind of stuck in time all that stuff sergeant fury number 13 guest starring captain freaking america strange tales number 128 where we just covered tonight tales of suspense number 61 where we had the what third fourth fifth part of iron man stuck in his armor fighting the mandarin and we had captain america rescuing an old friend's son from General General Sumo something or other. Uh, Tales to Astonish number 63 had Giant Man fighting somebody. I can't even remember. And the Hulk fighting somebody. Oh, the leader for the first time. The leader's monster thing. And that's it. Okay. That's all of them. I don't remember what Giant Man was fighting. Does that mean that's the worst story? What happened in Giant Man? Um, he could shrink and grow really fast this month for some reason. But that's all I can remember. I've got it here nearby. Astonish 63. What did he do? Uh, that was the wrecker. That was... Um, oh, yeah, yeah. Okay. They kind of had an old school story in that where they uh, went after a, a protection record. Right. That wasn't actually bad. Okay. Yeah. Um, so, do you, do you have a least favorite? Yeah, I'm just going to say... Uh, I'm sad to say it because I hate to say it, but Avengers number 11 is just horribly disappointing. Yeah. Considering the cover they gave us. Like, I was also just going to pick Avengers because I have been disappointed by that book on a number of levels, a number of occasions. Uh-huh. Uh, like, I see the cover and I'm just like, Ugh. I mean, Daredevil number five, the Matador is really stupid, but at least I think the subplots were okay. Mm-hmm. And yeah, Spider-Man was okay. I don't know. Scorpion's okay, but certainly better than Avengers 11. Yeah. Yeah. I, um, I liked Spider-Man. I liked a lot of Spider-Man number 20. It's not going to take my first pick this week, this month, mm-hmm. but I did really like Spider-Man 20. Um, Thor was a decent Thor story because, mm-hmm. but he had to like wrap up that time bubble with, uh, uh-huh. and Balder did some stuff. That was cool. Yeah. Balder helped out. He finally got to shine for the first time. Um, I did like Astonish 63, both the first appearance uh, of the leader's face and the record story. The record story was, was it like a, a a return to old hat with uh-huh. the yeah um, giant man and wasp? Mm-hmm. What uh what are you gonna pick for a top favorite? Sergeant Fury number thirteen. It's not often you get to pick Sergeant Fury, but I'll say that that was the most entertaining read for me because one it spiced up Sergeant Fury by putting Captain America in it, but also it brought back Jack Kirby for that issue, which. I guess I missed more than I realized because it was awesome. And I really liked how that story 
was all more like from Nick and the Howler's points of view, and Cap was just kind of like this person nobody knew about. Mm -hmm. I don't know. That was neat. And this is also our first modern take on Captain America's World War II days. So, right. so all that was really a real cool combination, in my opinion. I liked it. I, I liked it. Was just a, it was a, an unusual choice. I never really noticed until this reading, but I really liked the that they they didn't bring in. I mean, they brought in the the trappings of World War Two Captain America, but like you wouldn't necessarily know that's what it was unless you knew. Mm-hmm. Like a new reader had some mystery there. A new reader doesn't know what a Steve Rogers is, right? But he was there in the comic. Mm-hmm. Um, I had also written down Sergeant Fury 13 as my top pick for this month. Really? Wow. Yeah. I really enjoyed it. I liked the take on Captain America. I mean, um, it, it's going to be a really long time. Well, not actually not that long because they're going to start doing it in suspense. And maybe this story was the inspiration for that. Mm-hmm. Um, because you figure a 1960s reader, Captain America fighting World War II is a memory. Mm-hmm. Not a memory, but like like this idea from the long time ago stories. Yeah. Wow. So we both agree on both. Has that ever happened before? Not often. Not often. A lot of times we pick something different just to be different. But <laughs> right. those were the well, two that I had chosen before you said I mean, you had chosen. So I stuck with it. What's another option for top? I mean, I guess that's really it for me because like the rest of them are okay at best or mm-hmm. really bad at worst. So. I mean, I really like Spider-Man. If it hadn't been, um, if I hadn't gone with Sergeant Fury, Spider-Man would have been the easy pick. But yeah. honestly, for just enjoyment factor, Giant Man gave it a run for its money this month. That is true. I did enjoy the Giant Man. So, uh, but yeah, Sergeant Fury all the way. That was really fun. This is a weird, weird ass month. I don't think we've had a month with this much disappointment in it since like nineteen. I think there was like that July nineteen sixty three month where it was like everything was terrible. I don't know. Yeah. Anyways. My uh, my spreadsheet has like lost a lot of my entries for 1964, so I have to go back and listen to some episodes oh. and find out what we said because I've got to plug in some entries here. Can we have in- Can we have like an intern <laughs> doing like, this stuff? Does, for does us? anybody? All these people who listen to every episode can't someone start a spreadsheet and do graphs and publish it on Twitter for us or something? That'd be cool. I want to know. We're going to start getting our own wikia. Yeah. Who's going to who's going to make the make ours Marvel wiki? That's that's when you know you've arrived. We should at least put it on Wikipedia somehow if that's legal. I don't know. It is. I mean I've, I've edited pages. I've never created a new page. Me neither. I've, yeah, I think I created a subsection once, go me, but that's about it. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, that does bring us to the end of the Make Ours Marvel episode. Uh-huh. And guess what? So, also October. So next week is going to be November. For people who like November. What are we reading? Uh, we are going to read, homework people, three more episodes, three more issues. We've got Journey into Mystery number 112, where Thor fights the Hulk, which he's done before, but this seems more like a one-on-one, really good, awesome-looking one. So we'll see. Uh, Tales to Astonish, which has Giant Man fighting Atuma and a humanoid horde I assume the leader's humanoid horde fighting the Hulk. And we have X-Men number nine, the Avengers versus the X-Men and whatever the heck Professor X is doing down in hell that we alluded to on some other issue. (laughs) What is Professor X doing down in hell? That's a great question. What is he doing down there? I'm really interested because I have no idea. All right. Give me one second. 
And after a long pause, it's going to get edited out in the in the um, in the edits. I have our list of followers and who has followed us recently on the uh, Twitters. We want to say thank you and hello to looks like Donald Bergen too is uh, one of the last people we mentioned, and so I want to say hello to him. He says mostly longtime strategy game player, longtime nerd, playing video games since President Carter. If you don't know who Jack Kirby was, then you need to learn. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have John Morrissey, shark studying, cat loving, and Marvel Zombie. We have Full Metal Moose at Moose Full Metal, lover of life and comics. Jonathan Jewett at C.E. Jewett, professional at being awesome. We want to say hello to the TARDIS writer at TARDIS writer. I was born, I was raised by rabbits. Luis Ramon at Lopez Melendez. Luis Jose Gonzalez at um, a name that is filled with numbers. Dispatch at Dispatch DCU. I love comics, movies, TV, and basically all things pop culture related. And I can get you a five on your AP calculus exam. Nice. That's pretty great. Mm -hmm. Florian Wiltshire. Under Alien Control, someone once told me the time is a flat circle. Everything we've ever done or will do, we're going to do over and over and over again. That was a quote from True Detective. I want to say hello to Kent Lawley, California native volunteer at SDCCI, sometimes known as the Henchman. Tom McAuliffe, husband and father, comic book geek and remorseless eating machine, learning to eat better and get back in shape. Let me know how that works for you, Tom, because I need to do that too. Ditto. Lewis with – yeah, right? Lewis with an E – Edwin Vasquez, Mark Reznicek at Real Mark Rez Music Comics at the Toadies Drummer. Okay. And finally, Tomas. I love fantasy, sci-fi, books, music, Marvel, DC Comics, Star Wars, mythology, Shadowhunters, and New York. So lots and lots of Twitter follows over the last couple of weeks. Thank you all. We always appreciate you retweeting episodes whenever they come out. So please uh, support the show that way. And um, where can they where can they find us? Well, they can find links to those that whole Twitter and Facebook thing of ours, as well as uh, episodes of the show at makearsmarvel.com. Um, you can also find the RSS feed there. You can find a contact form to send us a letter, which we read on the air every once in a while, or you could write us podcast at makearsmarvel.com. Or if you don't want to go to a website. Pretty much if you type in Make Ours Marvel on Twitter or Facebook or your podcast searching thingy, we should show up. We've gotten several likes over on Facebook, which is not nearly as common as the Twitter. Hmm. So I want to say hello to Tim Gowen, Jerome Taylor, Brad Young, Shane Anderson, Steve Haverson, Adam Ramsey, Sean O'Keefe, Paul Mason, and Prince Ron Witherspoon. I think I said hello to Patrick Delmore. Um last time but if i didn't hello patrick as well so lots of people following us out there on facebook and um i'm on the twitters at john reads comics uh i have an image comics podcast i do called all the pouches which is at all the pouches on twitter i have up until recently been doing a commentary podcast on super sentai which is the japanese predecessor of the power rangers however that has come to a close no my son and I were doing that together, and he has decided that he would spend – he would rather be doing Transformers podcasting with me instead. Oh. So on my Transformers podcast, which is still, you know, is still cooking, it's getting ready to launch soon, um, I'm doing comics and cartoons, and he's there with me for the cartoon discussions. Well, I don't and blame I'm, him because that's better than 
Power Rangers anyway. Yeah, you know, G1 Transformers from the 80s is some pretty good cartoons. Right. So that's over at TFUK Podcast. If you want to go ahead and follow the Twitter as the show is getting ready to launch in the next uh, month or two. And yeah, I also tweet about Scarlet Witch over at Let's Talk Wanda. So I put some panels and some thoughts about our Strange Tales issue up a few weeks ago. You could go and check those out as well. Um, you really need a, yeah. a John M. Wilson.com portal. I do. And then you could I just say, comics. and then you could just say, go to John M. Wilson.com and all my stuff is on there. I should, I should do that. Cause you go to Twitter. My pinned tweet has like all the crap on it, but, um, cause you could just yeah. go to Kaiser, the and see all my stuff on there. See, that was easy, right? That's all I have to say. It was, it was easy. Yeah. Good job. <laughs> They're like, how do you spell Kaiser? <laughs> I don't know how to do this. Okay. Does that wrap, wrap us up? That wraps us up. Goodbye. October. Hello. November. Hello, my baby. Hello, my darling. Why does November look short? I don't know. 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10. There's only 11 books. 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13. There's not 14 books. Interesting. That is bizarre. We'll, feel, we'll figure well, that out next week. We'll get there when we get there. So until then, or until the Avengers decide to invite Spider-Man to join the team, Make ours Marvel. marvel.